You know, the other day I was uh, driving on the car and I'm trying to practice what it's like to have Jesus in the car with me. Not, not to watch my speedo because I probably need some help when I've got to the speedo. Um, but the other day, this is not part of my sermon, just a bit of a story, but David sort of saying, if Jesus was here right now, well, I, I felt he was in my car right then, and so I thought I'd sing. And he goes, what are you singing at me for? <laughs> so if Jesus was here right now, I'm not too sure I'd burst into song. Um, but I'd certainly burst into worship. I would just uh, come to him and say, I am just so grateful for who you are and what you've done for me. All right. I just thought I'd share that. Um, it's also nice to have Pastor Helen visiting with us uh, from Bendigo. And so uh, Helen and Dave have been here a couple of times and ministered and so nice to have you here for this. So, uh, Can you relate to this? You're, you're um, texting someone on your phone and you're going for a walk and you bump into something. Anyone done that? Tripped in a hole, walked into something? Joel Johnston, I see those hands over there. You're texting and you're so you've been texting and you're doing stuff and you're and you trip or you or you're thinking about something and all of a sudden you, you know you, you miss something or if you're driving the car you're too busy talking about something and the turn off was there. Anyone relating to this? We can be so focused about something that we can miss the point. Uh, perhaps in in my world it's sort of like we're watching a movie at home and I'm googling something else while the what movie's on. And you miss the point. Anyone else know that? And you go, well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. What just happened just then? <laughs> and so you've got to press pause, and then you've got to rewind a bit, and then you've got to watch it again, because you can get so distracted doing something else that you actually miss the point of what's going on. And so um, other times you're, maybe the other way around, you are looking, who's done this? I want you to be honest. You are looking for your mobile, and you've looked everywhere for it. And you're yelling out to your, your significant others, where is my mobile? And they say, look, I'll ring it for you. And so they, they ring it for you, and where is it? In your, in your hand. <laughs> uh, anyone else done that? Let's be honest. Just me. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. We've got some. <coughs> All right. Hey, look, if you're like that, if you can relate to any of those examples where you're so focused on something that you, that you miss the point, I want to tell you, you are in some great company, because Jesus had 12 disciples that were a little bit like you. They couldn't blame their tech, they couldn't blame Netflix or Stan or, or Disney Plus or Paramount or um, Prime or, what else is there? Uh, Tim, Foxtel. And they, they can't blame the technology for not being focused or getting distracted. Uh, but, but Jesus, what I want to share this morning, and uh, Jesus wants to help us understand the importance of focus, because if we don't focus, we're going to miss something. That's where I want to get to. And so I want to turn to a passage in the Gospel of John. Uh, firstly, if you are visiting today, and, or if you're online and you've never met me, my name is Mark, and um, it's such a... Hi, Mark. Hi. So, anyway, <laughs> I like being personal. I don't want someone to go, went to church, guy got up and talked, didn't have a clue who he was. His name's Mark. All right. Gospel of John. And uh, Jenny shared a great word on this last Sunday. If you missed Jenny's message, it'll, it should be online. Have a listen. And I'm not going to talk about it. I said to Jenny this week, I said, Jen, I was going to preach on that when I started my thing. And she goes, well, do it anyway. So I'm not. I am, but I'm not. Okay. So I'm going to skip your bit because it was done well last week. Um, but... Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 1. 
Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Uh, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. I think last year I shared a message uh, called, a series called Spirit Led. And uh, I did a message called Endgame. And uh, who remembers that message? Don't put your hand up because I'll ask you a question and you probably won't remember. So, you know, as a preacher, oh, I don't know how many sermons I've preached. Thousands, maybe? I don't know the maths. I often wonder how many actually listen to any of them. <laughs> it's very, very humbling at times. Um, anyway, you might remember this part of the sermon that I, I preach because uh, this, this concept of... Can we get that verse back up? Thanks, Pete. Uh, just a slide before, uh, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Uh, the Gospel writer John, he chose a certain set of words which was very unique. It said Jesus had to go. Everyone say, he had to go. Had to go. The reality was he didn't have to go through Samaria. Uh, and if you know uh, Israel's geography, and I'm sure Pam and Pat would love to tell you all about Israel at some stage. Welcome back, guys, and I can't wait. For you to put your slideshow together. Who else wants to see Paul and Pam's Israel slideshow? Every, every hand went up. Did you see that? So, um, but uh, in Israel, the, the geography of Israel, you had uh, Judea in the south, you had Galilee in the north, and you had Samaria smack bang in the middle of the uh, of the of the two sort of regions. And so, um, the easiest and shortest route from uh, Galilee to Judea was straight down the middle through Samaria. And so uh, that was the, the most expedient route that one could go. But there was a problem because the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. There's a whole bunch of reasons attached to that. Jenny touched on some last week. But the, the Jews felt the Samaritans were, were second class. They were sinful. They were not true believers. In fact, they called them uh, scum. They didn't like them in any way whatsoever. And so good, a good Jew wouldn't take the straightest route through Samaria. A good Jew would take the long way around. A good Jew, because they're a good Jew, they would add about an extra day to their journey so they can go around Samaria. And so when, when the Gospel writer says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria, the reality was he didn't have to go. There was, there was other options for him. And as a good Jew, you'd think they'd take the other options. But what we see here is that something was inside of compelling Jesus that says, you know, I have, that there's something from heaven calling me to go this way, to go to this place. I, have to, I know that I can go that way. I know I can go that way. I know this way is, is unexpected. I know this way is not very popular. I know this way people aren't going to understand why I'm going through the Gentile, the Samaritan rubbish dump. But he said, oh, no, I have to go through Samaria. In, the, in the previous chapter in the Gospel of John, Jesus has a discussion with a guy called Nicodemus. And uh, in that conversation, he says in John 3 verse 8, he's, he's talking about the, the way the Holy Spirit works. And he says there that the wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, who could hear the wind last night? We know where it's coming from. It's coming, well, somewhere, but it's going somewhere else. Anyway, this much. Um, <laughs> You seem to be really close to my screen. Yeah. I'm holding out of my glasses, you see. 
I had someone text me, anyway, back in. So, so Jesus is saying, you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus regarding being born again and how the Holy Spirit renews us. But Jesus also was, in his language to Nicodemus, was saying the Holy Spirit is like a wind. He's like a wind, a breath that comes and goes and, 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 and changes and shifts and leads. And he's showing us what it's like to be a little bit led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus modeled to us that when the Holy Spirit leads us, when we, when we connect it to, to heaven in such a way that we, we know that you know, I could go this way to go to, to, go to uh, um, Judea or Galilee, or I could go this way, but something, you know, this is the easiest way, this is the most popular way, everyone, everyone's like me if I get to this way, but the Holy Spirit says, you know what, go this way, I, I have to go this way. Jesus shows us what happens when we're listening to the Holy Spirit and we, we want Him to control our plans. Because... Discipleship, which is what the journey all of us are on, this thing called discipleship. We never, you know, we're never going to get to the point where we say, "I've made it. I'm now a disciple. I've now worked it all out. I'm fully qualified." And I've discipleship is a journey, and I think that we need to learn to have in this journey with God to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit or to or to. Sense where his wind is blowing. If he's going this way, well, Lord, I wonder, if, you, if you want to go this way, we'll go this way. If you want me to go and speak to that person or share with this person, I'll, I'll do that. But if you want me to go this way, I'll go this way. Good, and this, it, it's a journey. And over time, we would love to talk about how we hear from the Holy Spirit, how we sense inside of us what he is saying to us. Being a disciple shows us that the Holy Spirit is not always predictable. He doesn't do things always the same way. Being a disciple means that we shouldn't be dictated by what's the most popular thing to do, or the cultural norms, or the most expected route. At times, the Holy Spirit takes us on all sorts of adventures. And uh, I know a bunch of you would, would know that when you, you've stepped out in faith, trusting God would do something, and He's done amazing things. Uh, and I know. Uh, and I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but I know people here that have trusted God and, and taken steps and seen God relocate and replace uh, to, to position them into amazing uh, spaces, which is a wonderful thing. Even for, for us, we've been here uh, five and a half years in this church and God supernaturally uh, brought us from Shepparton to here. And uh, this week, I am Valley and I are going back to Shepparton for a week, just off of three days actually, uh, to uh, do a funeral service. But I was reminded that the Holy Spirit grabs our attention yeah. and He does amazing things. He's done the same thing with Dave and Al. He's, uh, I know He's done the same thing to a bunch of people here, just trusting Him to lead us and take us where He wants us to go. He takes us on all sorts of ventures, doesn't He, Pastor Helen? Uh, you've got a big adventure at the moment. And uh, God's got it. He wants you to know that He's got it. He's, 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 he's in front, He's behind, He's all around. He's got it. Uh, being led by the Holy Spirit is being open to a God of surprises. Uh, I think when Dave spoke at, at youth camp, uh, talking about a God that moves in surprising ways, whether it's a burning bush or whether it's a pillar of fire in the desert, God does often unusual things. Some, actually, actually, let me rephrase that. God sometimes does unusual things. Often, He does normal things. Often, God is at work in the ordinary and the everyday. Sometimes the burning bush would happen. And, uh, and I think that stories in the scripture, not to make that our norm, 
but to, for us to be thinking, well, God can do that. And so maybe something could happen and you go, okay, well, maybe God's in that. So God does unexpected things, takes us to unexpected places and for unexpected people. So that's, that's the background of the story. And so we come to verse 5 back in John 4. Eventually, he came, this is Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I just feel that, I just want to minister to this space a little bit. Because here we find Jesus, Son of God. We find, we find Jesus who has just been baptizing, those disciples have been baptizing people and, and administering and, and healing the sick and, 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 and blind eyes and lame and all the rest. But here we see Jesus' humanity on display. What does he do? He sits down. He's tired. I'm tired. I need to rest. You know, friends, Jesus was not Superman. Jesus felt tired. And I just sensed this morning, I sensed it in our prayer meeting before, that there's people here this morning that are feeling tired, feeling depleted, feeling worn out, feeling, you know what, I've, I've just been doing this good stuff and I've been on this journey and it's been hot and it's been dry. So I just, I just want us to take a moment in this service because I just feel the Holy Spirit's asking us to do this. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, I, I get what Jesus was experiencing. He was tired and he was weary. And if the Son of God feels like that, I feel like that. If that's you this morning, I'm going to take two minutes out of, out of this message. We want, to, we want to just speak life over you. So if you're, if, you're, if you're feeling able to, if you, just, if you just slip your hand up and say, Mark, that's me. And we want to gather around you and just pray. Who would say, Mark, I'm, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling weary. Thank you. If you could just look around. This is not, I want you to look around. I'm, this is a wonderful opportunity. I believe God's on this moment. God, God is on this particular moment. He wants to minister to you. If you're here and you've got a bunch of people that said, Mark, that's me. I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about physical tiredness, just physical tiredness because you've been too busy. You can fix your busyness by getting more sleep, okay? You can fix physical tiredness by rest. I'm talking about emotional, spiritual, soul tiredness. I want, I want someone to but look, put your hand up high. I want someone to put their hand on you. Put their hand on your shoulder. I want you to look around. If there's someone near you, put their hand up. I want you just to rest your hand on their shoulder. I want to take time. I want to. I think it's important we take time just here. Okay. Jesus, I. Lord, we want to acknowledge. Lord, that you got tired. Lord, that you were weary. Lord, that you had to sit down. And this morning, Lord, as I, as I look across our church family here, Lord, I see 
a bunch of people, young and old, that are just sensing a weariness in their soul. A tiredness from, from the circumstances of life. And Jesus, this morning, we, get, we gather around them and we just speak life. We speak, we, we speak life into their soul. We speak, we speak in faith, Lord. We speak that you would regenerate hearts and dreams. And, and Lord, where there's energy required, that you bring energy. Where sleep's required, that you bring sleep. But more than anything, Lord, that you would bring when you come and, and you just presence yourself with them. You're in them. You're already with them, Lord, that they would find rest. Jesus, you'd said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, we speak rest, rest over their souls. For those who might be at home that are saying, Lord, there's no one to lay hands on me. Lord, we reach forth in faith and we lay our, our, our hands of faith upon those who are watching online or listening at a later time. Lord, we pray for a spirit of rest, a mantle of rest that physically comes and, 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 and sits on them in a, in a sense that will just know right now, I feel God is with me. And when he's with me, I just sense, I just sense a recharging. Much like uh, if you've got a newer mobile phone, you sort of bring your mobile to a, to a charger. And you don't have to plug it in, you just put it in proximity to the charger, and it charges. And then, Lord, I thank you that you are already in proximity with us. And I pray that as we draw near to you, I thank you that you draw near to us. And I pray that you would just recharge and renew and pour out your spirit afresh in every single one. In Jesus' name. You know, sometimes when we're, um, oh, thanks, thanks for gathering around people. You know, I really want, later on, there's, there's plenty of time for people to pray with you later, but I think it's wonderful that you can come to church. I want to encourage you when there's opportunity, if you need something, just ask someone, pray for me, help me, I can't do this by myself. And the reality is sometimes when we are tired, all we want is me time. Can you relate to that? When I'm tired, I just don't, don't bother, just, just me. Me at home, family, Netflix, I'm done. Ish. Um, and look, I think we did a whole series on setting boundaries. And, uh, and I think boundaries are good. There's times when you are tired and depleted. There's times you need to set boundaries and say, you know what, it's not going to work for me now. That's, that's just not going to work. You know, remember those five words? Um, there's times you need to set boundaries. But what I want to talk about here as we sort of navigate this message this morning is that there's times when we are taking me time and we've got boundaries set in place. There's, when we're doing that sometimes, when we are interrupted or distracted in our me time, can I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there something for me to do in this space? I know I'm tired. Jesus is going to show us in the midst of his tiredness and his weariness that he's, going to, he's about to get disrupted. And in verse 7, the disruption turns up. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. And I'm not going to talk any more about that. Jenny did a really great job with that message last week. 
But I want to encourage you, what we, when we prayed for you just then, I was just sensing just a living water coming. You know, you've got the wells inside already. And sometimes those wells can be full of junk, full of stuff and busyness and what people have said, what people have done, shame, guilt, all that stuff. We, we, we throw them inside the well of our spirit and clogs it up. But you've got access to living water. You've got access wherever you go to access the fullness of Jesus. And so sometimes you just need to dig out some of that junk. So um, one thing I noticed about the Gospels is that Jesus conducted more of his mission, more of his activity outside the synagogue than inside the synagogue. More of his ministry out there than inside the church. It's a challenge because we, we tend to get it the other way around. We think it's all about church. It's all about coming to church, which I love the church. And I love the opportunity to gather I mean, I, what a privilege we have as pastors and leaders to, to, to encourage you guys. It, it, it's a humbling thing that, that you would give three hours of your day to listen to this sermon. <laughs> that you would come and you would, you would battle the weather and the car parking and you'd get here and you, I know it's the sausages, you can smell them and you're, and you're salivating already, but, but you've come today. It humbles me that you would, you would listen and it's a privilege for us to speak life and to encourage us. I love the church. I love, there's no other space where I can, I can communicate to 120, 30, 40 people and, and, and speak Jesus' words. It's a, it's, a, it's a big privilege to me. I love the church. But I, I think if Jesus was to visit us today, I'm not too sure he'd turn up in our churches. I think he'd go out on the streets. You know, I, I think he'd be out with others than necessarily in here. When, when you look at the, when he came the first time, that's where he spent his time out in the world more than the synagogue. And uh, I think God is calling, God wants to make a difference in here. And I love what he's doing in here. He wants us to be transformed in here in this environment called the church, not the building, so that we can make a difference out there in the world where we live. You see, Jesus would never have got this woman to a synagogue. She'd never have gone to church. She wasn't a Jew. She was female. And she was probably regarded as a sinner, an unacceptable person. Every day she had to, to live with shame and guilt and, 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 and fear. Chances are she'd never come through the doors of our church. Chances are she'd never come through the doors of, of, of another church, or if you're visiting your church, chances are she'd never come through the doors of those places. She would never have the opportunity to sing. So what a great worship time we had this morning. How beautiful was that? Chances are that she'd never have the opportunity to sing those worship songs with us or to, or to experience our community and have prayer by us. Chances are, while she stays outside the doors of the, of the synagogue and the church, she misses out on what we can experience, and that's unfortunate. <coughs> and it's sad. Chances are she'd never have the opportunity to enjoy the sausages and onions that are sizzling downstairs. So what do we do? What do we do with that? We've got a, we, we've got a world that is in desperate need of hope. We're surrounded by people at school, and, and I know Mel asked us to pray before, just mentioned it to me, but uh, in Whitebridge High School they had a, a, a tragedy for one of the students. And they're moving into their HSC as well, and so there's a school that has been shaken by tragedy. There's a community that desperately needs some sort of hope, some sort of peace, some sort of anchor for their souls that have been 
distressed. That's the world we live in. At, at, at your schools, even our Christian schools, at our, at, at, in, in, your, in your universities, in your workplace, in your gym, in the hospitals. You, are, you're surrounded, you might be surrounded by professionals and people who look like they've got it all together on the outside, but inside they are desperate and lonely and hurting and broken. That's what's going on out there. And, and I think it's so important that we understand the role of here is to make a difference out there wherever we go, whenever we go, as the Holy Spirit leads us into those places and into those spaces. Good, Mark. As we look at the story of Jesus and this woman, this, this seemingly random interaction, we see God do something amazing. Jesus offers her living water. And in fact, that, that is the first person in all of the gospel that Jesus reveals to the truth that he is the Messiah. This was not a random, coincidental connection. So, so when you know that this woman was coming at 12 o'clock, when you, when you understand that there was a broken, hurting, uh, uh, desperate woman coming to a well, she was, she was an outcast from society, when you, when you understand that, maybe you can understand why Jesus had to go through Samaria. Maybe you can understand why Jesus couldn't wait another day, why he just felt a compulsion from the Holy Spirit, I have to go that way, and we have to go now, because the disciples didn't know it, but Jesus could sense the Holy Spirit, was, knew that there was going to be someone needing him in just a few hours or days later. He had to go through Samaria. The Holy Spirit was saying something, leading him, and what could Jesus could make a choice. He could, he could listen to that and I don't understand fully what that means but I'm just going to go and see what God does. Or he could reject it and go, you know what, it's too inconvenient. It's, it's, people are going to think less of me if I go through Samaria. There was a divine appointment that he had to get to. There was a critical moment that, that he could not miss. There was someone that needed to encounter grace and mercy and truth. And that comes through Jesus. So back to my opening thought from a while ago now. We see Jesus had a clear sense of what he was doing. But we discover that the disciples were a little clueless. Picture the scene. Jesus, and who can remember where the disciples were at the moment in the story? Anyone remember? They were, they were off buying happy meals in the village. Okay, so, so they, they'd arrived at the well. Jesus, the disciples went off and the woman turned up. Chances are, and this is purely speculation, but just imagine this if you, if you like, that Jesus was sitting down at the well and uh, the well was at the, obviously the bottom of the hill. That's where the, the well is. It wouldn't be at the top. It'd be a deep hole if that's the case. So, and he's watching, this, he's watching his disciples walk to the village Maybe, just maybe, that these disciples passed this woman as she came to the well. Maybe Jesus could see them and they could see, he could see two groups of people, one like the disciples going this way and a, a lone figure coming down the hill and, and maybe the disciples sort of just went around this woman, this single soul person that shouldn't be out by themselves. I'm, I'm just trying to, maybe that happened. And maybe Jesus watched and the disciples saw this woman and they didn't know what to do, so they just avoided her and they went off to get their happy meals. 
and it seems they failed to notice her. It seemed that they failed to see her as Jesus saw her. They failed to see that she was in need of help. They were so focused on the task at hand that they missed the point. Anyway, the disciples arrived back from the village just as Jesus says to the woman, I am the Messiah. At the exact moment that, that we find the disciples return, and uh, in verse 27, just then his disciples came back, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking with her? There's a bunch of reasons the disciples were shocked. And um, uh, I've got four just up there very briefly. Uh, the disciples, because there was a moral, moral barrier. The, 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 this, this woman was, was married a number of times and she was now living with someone else. So there was, there was, there was an issue going on morally. There was a, an issue going on socially. She was, look, she was a, she was a woman. And in Jesus' day, men don't talk to women. That, that, that Jews don't do, good Jews don't do that, let alone teachers, rabbis don't do that. There was a racial barrier. She was a Samaritan. She was a, a half-caste. They believed different things. And so they should, be, they should be shocked that Jesus was talking to him. And there was a religious barrier because religious Jews and Samaritans had similar but very different views. So while the disciples stood there, I don't know if you're trying to imagine what's going on. Jesus is talking to the woman. The guys come back with their McDonald's bags. Jesus, I'm the Messiah. And then when we read in the next verse, that Jesus, the woman runs back into the village in verse 28, leaves a jar beside the well, runs back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything. Could he be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And it seems like the disciples, to me, it seems like the disciples were oblivious to what was going on. Their, their happy meals were getting cold. And, but now that the woman was gone, they, could, they, they, they said, okay, let's talk to Jesus about this. In verse 31, the disciples were saying, come on, Jesus, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know about, that you know nothing about. And they said, did, did, someone, did someone else bring Jesus food? Because we just went and spent the money and come back and Jesus is, doesn't want any food. What's going on here? The disciples thought he was speaking of physical food and they wondered where he could get it. The disciples were so consumed by what they, they, what they could see in the natural that they didn't see what Jesus saw. It didn't seem that they noticed or cared about the woman. They were so concerned with their physical needs they had a scarce thought for the one who was with Jesus. They were tired, they were hungry, maybe even a little hangry, like some of you are getting now. Um, the, the woman was an inconvenient disruption to their day. Inconvenient. But this woman was the sole reason that Jesus came. This is why he had to go through Samaria. See, they missed the point. They were so consumed with their own lives, their own plans, their own needs, that they missed what God wanted them to see. And that's where I want to end today. I say that, that means five, ten minutes ago. So, uh, my kids would say 20, but that's not true. Um, I want to pick this up next week. But Jesus goes on in the last verse, in verse 34. He points out what's more important than getting my needs met. 
getting what I want, my plans, my priorities, my agenda. Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. Question. When you are tired and weary, what sustains you? Where do you go? Netflix doesn't actually do it. All the ice cream in the world doesn't do it. Or chocolate, pizza, what's your go-to? Where do you go to? Some people go to alcohol, some people go to all sorts of stuff on the internet. Some people try to, when they're tired and they're weary, they, they go to things that they cannot, cannot help. Living water is what the story talks about. It's living water that sustains us. We need to go to Jesus when that happens. That's why this woman found herself with Jesus. And he was, yes, he was tired and weary. But Jesus also understood that even when I'm tired and weary, I can bring life to someone. Can I encourage you? When yes, take your time out, take your holidays and your breaks, and, and then do what you need to do to make sure your soul is replenished. But keep listening to the Holy Spirit, because even when you're tired and weary, He may just lead you somewhere on holiday. I mean, how many times have you been on holiday and you just bump into someone? Who's at random connections in most random times? Sometimes I think God just does that for a laugh. <laughs> Check that out. You know, but, uh, but, but could it be that God is bringing you into contact with someone for a reason? Is it possible that God wants to position us in places where we can be a conduit of grace, love and hope? As I said, we live in a world that's desperate, desperately in need of hope. They're everywhere we go. We can't get away from them. But it's so easy for us to be focused on ourselves. It's so easy for us to be focused on us and our stuff that we can miss miss the person that's just sitting there sitting at school sitting at work, sitting somewhere sitting next to you at church maybe could it be the Holy Spirit wants you to speak life over them, could it be that God wants to redirect you into places where you can declare his goodness over their lives, when you can declare his love over their lives acceptance and his peace over their lives When was the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit to blow you into unexpected places? When was the last time you were prepared to step off the normal and trust God for the... I was going to say abnormal. It doesn't have to be abnormal. But willing to trust God in the midst of wherever you go. I'm up for that. I'm up to live a life. I, I, I think you would be too. You might not put your hand up, so I'm not going to ask you. But I reckon if I sat down with you, if I asked you, you know, do you want to be used by God wherever you go? Each one, I know each one of you would say, yeah, I do. And so, so I want to encourage, I'm going to pray in a second. I'm going to be praying for you. That, that maybe just this week, that God will give you an opportunity. Not an opportunity to preach at someone. No one, no one needs you to preach. Tell the person next to you, you don't have to preach at anyone. Stop preaching. I know you're saying that to me. I know. <laughs> That's not very nice, Owen. You stop preaching. Friends, our, 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 the broken people around us don't need our preaching. They don't need our preaching. They need us just coming beside them, bringing the presence of Jesus with us, maybe putting our arm around them and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Can I speak God's goodness over you? 
Can I connect you to living water? That's what it is. Why don't we stand together, please? I've got homework for you this week. <coughs> I, I, I knew I shouldn't have come today. Sausages, no. Very simple homework. I encourage you in your in your when when, when you pray, whenever that is. And if you don't, maybe consider adding this as a, as a good starting point for prayer. It's going to be, Lord, this morning, help me have open eyes to those around me and allow your spirit to lead me to a place I can bring your life in them. Heck, no one's going to remember that. We're going to put it out in you so you don't forget. No, we're not. Lord, I just pray for each one of us. Lord, as we... As we walk out of this building later today, as we enter into a, a world that is hurting and broken and empty and lonely and full of shame and guilt and, and all sorts of stuff, and Lord, even if we're tired, Lord, I thank you that you're still with us and that we draw on living water. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us so much that the overflow of living water just leaks out of us and brings life to those around us. Lord, I pray this week, I pray that I'll get emails from people that would say, you know, this week I, I stopped and I, I prayed for someone at the coffee shop. I, I encouraged someone. I asked someone how they were going. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that has eyes for those around us. Open eyes to those that are outside the four walls of this place. Open hearts to, to see them as you see them and to love them as you love them. Lord, help us not to preach at them, but Lord, help us to bring your presence to them. Lord, they, they, they won't come in through this door to experience what we, what we have of your presence. So Lord, I pray that we would take your presence. I know we will. We take it anyway. But I pray that we would just uh, release that in the spaces you lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alrighty. So I'm going to say grace. You can sit down. I'm going to say grace. And then uh, there will be, at some stage soon, there will be sausages out in the foyer space. Uh, you'd be welcome to go and grab one, come back in here, have a chat. If you're visiting, we'd love you to hang with us. Love you to, to enjoy a, a specially cooked sausage. It's a very elegant meal, isn't it? But uh, you're welcome to join us. Thank you for coming. Those at home, thank you for taking time to watch us on your screen. We love you guys. Um, if you're here this morning and, and you need some prayer, if you're here thinking, you know what, what Mark's been saying, or even what Mark didn't say, I just want someone to stand beside me and encourage me. We've got some people who'd love to pray with you. God bless. Have a great week.